Hello guys and girls, welcome to my third podcast. It's been a while, I know, so I hope you actually enjoy it. Okay, I am reading Cinderella is Dead by Caitlin Baywan. We're on chapter three. Well, here I go. I make its quick turn and a hurry towards the town square. The, the Bidenistal celebration has been going on for a week and we accumulate the annual ball. Until then, the festivities will continue every night. Before curfew, people crowd the square to make music and drink and tonight is no exception. But I push through to cut directly across the square. Vendors are hawking to their goods and the shadow of the bell tower a gleaming white structure with four t- tiers topped by a golden dome. There are jewelry and dresses from the city of Chitun in the north, and satin gloves, makeup, and perfume from the Kiltsphere in the south. I zigzag through the booths, searching for the crowd for Aaron's face. I notice a young woman standing on a raised platform. She's been citing passages from Cinderella. The palace issued a volume sits on a book and and on stand in front of her. The ugly stepsisters always have been jealous of Cinderella. But seeing how lovely they look at that night, they realize they never could be such beautiful as she is. And in a fit of ways, she tore her dress into shreds. People love gathering around her, Jian Boo. I keep walking. I don't see Erin. All consuming terror creeps in. I tell myself she's at home, but I have to get there to make sure. A booth, much more crowded than the others, sits near in the middle of the square, and a crowd of people blocks my path. As I maneuver around them, I see that all the fuss is over game and being played in the booth. Their shoes piled up, and a little girl's playing a silver coin to the blindfolded as they pick one of the slippers to try them on. If they can fit, and they can win a small prize, a better bracelet or necklace, along with a little slip or parchment that reads, I was chosen at the Bayman's talk celebration, a little girl of a crowny brown winglets, beam her tiny slides into a violet colored shoe. With tall heel. Oh, it's all good. It's all fun until the little girl picks in the wrong size of shoes, and picks and win, and wins a slip of paper, with a small portrait of Cinderella's fabled stepsisters. Their, their faces twist in a hideous smile. She looks at her mother, Mama. I don't want to be like them. Her bottom lip trembles as she chokes back into a sob. A palace guard laughs um, um, us wildly as her mother scoops, up, scoops her up and carries away. I, sl- I slip across the opening and move across to the booth toward the centre of the square where I found in a life-size, a life-size replica of Cinderella's carriage stands, made entirely of glass. It shimmers in the fading sun, water spots out around it. And in the bottom of the pool, a hundred little coins. It's a, tris- a tris- tradition to make a wish.
just like much like similar Cinderella did so many years ago, and toss a coin and prefer preferably silver into the mountain. I remember tossing coins in Iowa when I was younger. Well, I haven't done that in years. Sophia, lived bound up towards me, and long brown hair is pulled in the bum on the top of her head. Her rosy cheeks look in a pair of apples and a tawny skin. She looks over. She looks over. What happens to you? I look down my dress with a hand forward to chains. You don't know. Where do you off to, Seahawks? I'm looking for. I hesitate. It's too dangerous to talk in the public about what happened in there in the woods. I'm going to find my fitting. Liv's face twists up in disbelief. You're supposed to do that weeks ago. The ball is two days away. I know, I say. I've been avoiding it. There's an opening, and I move to leave, but lifts, loops her around the arm, her arm around mine. She, she shakes her head. Oh, you're so stubborn. Your mother must be pulling her hair out. She laughs and holds up something wrapped in a shiny silver cloth. You never believe why one at the booths. She, un- she unwraps the object. It's a stick. I look at Liv and backs the stick. She's beaming, thoroughly confused. Are you feeling okay? I put my hand to her head to see if it's one in a fever. She laughs playfully and bats my hand away. I'm fine. But she looks, it's the one, a replica of the same one the, the fairy godmother used. I glance at the stick again. I feel like you've been taken advantage of. She frowns. Is this a replica? It's a real replica, the man said in the tree in the white wood. No one goes in the white wood. Aaron comes out from behind Liv, and the heart almost stops. It, it, it takes everything in, the, in, in me not to grab her and pull her close to me. Close her mouth. Well, close your mouth before a bug flies in. Liv, says Liv. Look, looking around nervously. You're safe. I relieved. Erin nods. You're a mess. I wish I was taking the time up to clean the little better before I left my house. So lovely, of course, she clicked me. I don't think I can help with that. I glance at her. Maybe Liv can use her wand to help me clean up. Liv points at me and gives her a flick. She frowns. I always hope that one day I will deliver develop magical powers. I guess it's not that day. I pat her arm. No one has ever seen that type of magic since Cinderella time. I doubt it even exists anymore. A hush falls over them and they change, exchange worried glances. Of course it exists. Aaron says in a whisper, you know the story as well as anyone. If you're diligent, if you know the passages, we can honor our fathers. We might be granted things that Cinderella was. And if we do all those things, nothing happens. No fairy godmother appears with no dress, no shoes, and no carriage. Then what? Do we still believe it? Don't question me. Don't question stories, Sophia. Liv steps closer to me. Not in public. Not anywhere. Why, I ask. You know why. Aaron is always in a low tone. You must put your faith in a story. 
You must take it as what it is. And what is it? I ask. The truth, Anne says curtly. I don't want to argue with her. She's right, Liv says. The gods in a, in a royal garden, a ground in a very spot, the remnants of her carriage, where we were, where we were gathered up. I've heard that her tomb was so open to the public, and the slippers were actually inside. Another rumour, I say. I remember hushed conversations between my grandmother and her friends about the tomb. No one has seen it in person in generations. The story to trick young girls into obedience. Liv and Erin both looked like they had enough of me. But I'm still hoping to return the favour of the fairy godmother, says Liv. Liv's plans seem very risky. My mother hopes to be the same thing, but has arranged for the chest of chance. I don't find anything magical or in my magical old lady in the garden at the night at the ball. If anyone shows up with anything less than a gown fit for Cinderella herself, they will risk her safety. I don't think the king wants to... I don't think the king cares if it comes to a fairy, a dress shop or someone else, or someplace else. What matters if you look like a fairy godmother, blessed with her magic, and... Wait, do, you, do your parents have a plan just in case that doesn't work? I ask. I don't want Liv to be in danger because they waited too long to see what her, what she needed. This will be all Liv's second trip to, ball, to the ball, the fight as permitted, but it would break Liv's spirit to send her family into ruin. Do you ever get tired of trying to get yourself arrested? Erin asks, talking like she's trying to get locked up. Erin lives stepping between us, shaking her head. Here, she reaches in the satchel, pulls out a handful of coins. They're not silver, but they had to do. Let's make wishes in the fountain like we used to. So she takes my arm and leads me up to the fountain. Erin comes up beside me and her shoulder brushing against mine. I think I sigh and she gives a little shake of her head. Behind us, the music continues to play, and the people laugh and shatter away. The palace guards roam the square, and their royal blue uniforms are neatly pressed. Their swords glint in the lamplight. Liv's hand and Aaron's and coin each. Make a wish, says Liv. She closes, she closes her eyes and tosses her king, her coin. I look at Aaron. I wish you can leave a little lily with me right now. Leave my surlies, leave us all behind, and run away, run away with me. I toss my coin into the water, lifts grasp, Aaron's eyes flutter open, and her brow fouled, and her mouth turned down. I wish you would have stepped the things the way we were, things that the way we were. She tosses her coin into the fountain. I wish I, I could decide what nothing else matters, but I'm not like you, Sophia. I'm not asking for you to be like me, I say. Erin's eyes miss over her, and her bottom lips trembles. Yes, you are. Not everyone can be so brave. My chest feels like it's going to cave in. I step away, and Erin rushes off, disappearing into the crowd. I don't feel brave. I feel angry and worried that 
doubtful and very doubtful that anything could have ever changed. I prayed, we prayed one after her, but Liv catches me by the arm and pulls me back. You have to let go, Sophia says. It cannot be. She leads me from the fountain and I push away to urge to cry and scream out. We, look, we move from a large circle of blackened grass. Liv looks down to it. What is this, I ask? Something happened to me for a few, de- few nights ago. Rumour is that someone created an explosion and tried to ruin the fountain. They failed. Liv turns to me. Sorry, plastered on her face. Don't you see? There's no resistance. We go against the book like or the king. I shake my head. I don't accept this. Is, this is all for me. Liv glances around and, and then cleans clothes. A group of children find a body in the work in the woods by the grey lake. Another one, I ask. How many is that? I six on the tilt of leaves, having to turn. A girl must be like the others. I try to tally up how many young women have turned up dead in Lily since I've been old enough to understand such things. The dead number in the dozens. But in the in the mission of more than I can ever count. Go to your fit and Sophia, Liv says, squeezing my hand. Maybe this can be at the ball where you take away from all of us. The ring in her voice, maybe Liv wants to be taken away. I can't blame her, but that's not for me. I want to be saved by some knight in some shining armour. I think I should be the one in the armour, and I'd like to be the one saving. I make my way to Tempsey's shop. In the days, the wife's four, four, two hours late, peering through the window. I see my mother chatting away to other women in the shop. They laugh and smile, but her mouth is drawn tight. I see Wester's chin and tented, on tented fingers. I hate, I hate that I, I made her worried. I take a deep breath and open the door. My mother stands and exhales. Letting the air hiss between her teeth and a look of relief on her face. Where have you been? Her gaze wanders me, wanders over me. And what have, what have you been doing? I was. She puts she puts her hands up. It doesn't matter. You're here now. She glances past me, out to the street. Did you walk here alone? No, I lie. Liv and Erin walked up with me. To the end of the street. Oh, good. I'm sure you've been heard about the incident at Grey Lake. I nod. She shakes her head and forces open a quick smile and instructs the sempstress help us to get to work. The pieces of my dress are sewn into place in the perfect fit. My mother fusses over the collar, piping along the hem of the ground. Apparently, it's supposed to be worse gold, not regular gold, so if you should be taking off the Watch of the weeds. I think the entire assemble should would be look nice if the at the bottom of the waste bucket, the waste basket. Maybe dance with a lamp oil and set on fire. No one asks me what color it had to be, or I'd like to fit. My mother wings her hands together and paces the floor in front of me. She's very sick of every little detail as my life depends on it. 
of these things. I try to silence the voice inside me that tells me very well my it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, Sophia. My mother says she look as she looks at me. I nod. I can't think anything to say. I can't believe that this day actually arrived. I would hope to be far from Lily from this point, maybe far down from Mercedes to get to Erin by, by my side. Leaving the king and his all his rules behind me. Instead, I'm here preparing to be to given this in this terrible invalidity, this, you know, this terrible chance. Um, yes, the sentries helped me up to the dress so she can pick, pack it up and send it home to me with us. Applying powerful boost oil outside her neck, it started to turn green around the edges. What happened to your neck? I whisper through, likely for the source of her pain. And so many women carry around her similar burdens. The Samtress looked at her, looked at me, quite jealousy, and quickly adjusts her colour. Her colour. Don't worry about it, Dad. It'll be gone in a week. It'll be like it never happened. Sophia, my mum, interrupts. Why don't you go out and take some air? Say on the back of the path where I can see you. I stare down to the Samtress. Both smiles, little to mask her pain. I gather up my skirts and walk out the, the footpath leading up to the shop. The sun fades in the lamp lighters, lighters begin to, and they begin to their nightly rounds. Even in works in works in darkness, as the watchtowers loom in the shadows, stone sentries they look as they look out, forces windows in facing inwards. A mural of the King Mars on the side of the building across the street. He pictured he pictured a horse at the head of his army of the soldiers, his arm his arm outstretched holding a sword. I bet he never led any army in anywhere except on the squares of his chessboard. Hard as I try, like I I cannot set aside thoughts what it can be chosen. In two days' time I could be given a ban. I know nothing about. Though knows nothing about me, my own and wants and needs will be silenced in the favour of what he thinks is best and what he thinks is nothing of putting a bruise on my neck. And if I'm not chosen, what? What will it be then? My dear Erin, what will become of us? I shiver as a knock grows my throat. My mother comes out into the street and throws a shawl around my bare shoulders. You don't have to you don't want to catch all you don't want to catch the chill so close to the ball, Sophia. She looks around cautiously, low in her voice. I wish it shouldn't be this way, but I know this is how it should be. I grit my feet. I grip my teeth, stifling to the earth to scream for a thousandth time. I look at her for a split second. She lets the mask slip. I see the pain in her face. She seems all in the pale light of the evening sky. Her, her glaze moves over to my face and down to my dress for an instant before she looks away. 
Does it sound like seeing wheels here, Ajax? She presses down to her mouth in the hard line. Yes. I wish that this day would never come, I say. So have I. She says quietly. But here we are, and we must make the best of it. My mother returns to the shop, but I linger for a moment before joining her as a centrist and her half was finished packing my dress. I look up to the starry sky, and things will be different now, now forever. I'll be no more going back to one ball that has been taking place. I feel a sadness, almost grief-like in this death, threatening to consume me. I pull my shawl lighter and hurry inside. Oh, inside where? Oh, you'll find out in the next episode of my podcast. Hope you enjoyed it.